When I was asked to share some tips on how to thrive, I went immediately to four things. Um, I also think in acrostics, that's just how my brain works. So here you go. Here are the four things. Thoughts, input, priorities, and schedule. The Apostle Paul talks in Romans 12.2 and 2 Corinthians 10.5 about taking our thoughts captive. That basically means gaining control of our thoughts so that we can better come to a place of obedience in Christ and learn to thrive in him. Our, our thoughts kind of tend to go in a couple different directions. When you think about things, are you thinking in the, uh, in the way of problem solving or strategizing? How can I learn from this mistake? Um, in my case, my encouraging thought to myself this morning was, Chris, you can speak in front of the church. It's okay. With my Wonder Woman pose. Or do your thoughts tend to spiral to comparisons, jealousy, anger, bitterness, fear, shame, self-hate? Those are the thoughts we need to be aware of so that we can take them captive. That looks like praying in the moment, asking for God's help, saying the name of Jesus, the names of God. We also need to be able to recognize God's voice in our minds instead of our own chatter. Since I'm a Jesus follower, I have the hope and the confidence and the strength that the Holy Spirit in me resides. And so through that strength, this intentional thing seems sometimes impossible without the gift of the Holy Spirit to kind of come through me and, and work on that. As far as input, who are you listening to? Who are your friends? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What's your community? What media are you paying attention to, listening to, watching, reading? Philippians 4.8 reminds us what, to think on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Priorities. I probably need to not be said, but I'm going to say it over and over and over again. We must make time to be in God's word. How can we recognize God's voice over the chatter in our heads unless we know and understand his character and his promises? We must make time to nurture godly relationships and be in community with other believers. Finally, our schedule can be a help or a hindrance. If we are hustling all the time to the point of distraction, that it feels like a race to get from one thing to another, we are going to stay in survival mode. We need to be able to make the space and the margin for rest, for time in nature, for prayer, for reading God's word, and moving our bodies. Dr. Dobbs talked about some of those things last week. Those are great tips. We need to have the ability to slow down and listen and recognize God's voice. So tips, thoughts, input, priorities, and schedule. Think on these things as we're moving from survival mode to thrive mode. Thanks. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. What a great song that is, and it reminds us that God's word is a word that changes us from the inside out, allows us to have the privilege of that change that comes in knowing Christ. And so we're grateful for that song this morning. We're grateful that you're here this morning, and we're glad you're a part of this Thrive series, and um, glad you're going to be a part of that. Last week, Casey 
open this series, uh, first sermon given, and, uh, and now I have the privilege of being here today to share with you in the second sermon in this series, and we're going to be focusing on a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament that uh, you're familiar with, at least one verse you're familiar with, and at least that one, and, uh, and it's going to teach us about how to remember God, okay, and uh, how sometimes we don't count our blessings, and if we don't count our blessings, we never do remember God at work in our lives. So we're going to do that today, but, but first, let me pray with you, okay? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, Father, this morning for um, the sunrise, a beautiful orange, uh, some clouds mixed in, and God, your creation was evident. And so we're grateful, Lord, for that. We're grateful for the ability we have to see that. It's a blessing for us. We're grateful, Father, for your word and how it uh, works in our lives. We pray today, Lord, that we will have our minds open and our hearts open and our ears open so that we might hear what we need to hear and see what we need to see and then apply it to our lives. We're grateful, Father, we have this opportunity to be together and in your word and in worship. We pray, Lord, that bond will get stronger as the days go by. We're grateful most of all for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. How many of you at times feel like you're forgetful? Raise your hand. At times. At times. At times you're forgetful, okay? All right. And everybody's hand should have gone up in a recent New York Post survey that was done, we were reminded that we as human beings uh, have a tendency to be forgetful. Now, over a year's time, we averaged 332 forgetful moments per year. Isn't that amazing? How many of you would say that's probably per week? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Honesty, honesty, best policy. Okay, per week, you might forget that many times. And so the idea here in this, this survey that was taken was to give us an idea of how to deal with uh, remembering and deal with our forgetfulness. So it listed 12 areas, gave percentages of things that we have a tendency to forget, like this one. Number one, 51% of us forget our passwords, right? I mean, you're there, first hour, everybody's hand went up, that kind of thing. Secondly, 51% of us either forget grocery items or our list. Now, my guess is if you forget the list, you're going to forget something at the store, okay? You're going to have to go back. Number three, some of us forget where we put our keys. How many of you are guilty of that? You forget where you put your keys. Okay, well, some of you do. Number four, some of you forget why you went into a room. 49% of you forget why you went into a room, okay? Now, I have a solution for that. I figured it out over the years. If I walk into a room and I forget why I went in there, I find something to do in that room so I don't waste the trip, okay? All right, so do that. Number five, 47% of us forget people's names, okay? Yeah, that's, yeah, we do that, we do that. Number six, 35% of us forget what day it is, okay? (laughs) 
Some of the young people raising their hand, I'm going, what? You know, what day it is? I remember my dad, as he got older, especially after he retired, and he retired from the military, there were times he didn't know what day it was because there was no longer that regiment, that routine, what you do every day, and you know, that kind of thing. And so some of us do that. Okay, uh, number seven, some of us forget the location of our cell phone, 35%, okay? Number eight, 35% of us forget the words to a song. How many of you do that? Raise your hand, okay? Yeah, that's my wife's greatest fear. When I used to sing more often when I was younger, preaching revivals and all, I'd sing. Uh, when I was preaching revivals or out on Sunday, and I'd sing with a quartet, that kind of thing, she was always scared to death I would forget the words. And I did a few times, and I just made them up, okay? It works, right, brother? It works, okay. Number nine, number nine, 34% of us forget to mail something, like a bill or a card or something of that nature. About 34% of us do that, okay? Number 10, 33% of us forget where we parked the car, okay? And I know a few of you in this room that do that. Someone who is very close to me. <laughs> and I won't say her name. <laughs> number 11, 31% of us forget the phone number of a family member or a friend. That's not good. And then number, tw uh, number 12, 29% of us forget the password or the PIN number. Now listen to the bank account. 29% forget that, that we have that for our bank account, okay? And so those things happen. Now, amazingly enough, it also told us what three areas are most embarrassing for us. Those three areas are when we forget names, birthdays, and anniversaries. Those are the most embarrassing, okay? But then it went on to say, uh, why does it happen? Or it gave us three things why we are so forgetful. Number one was age. It happens with age, okay? It begins to take place. Okay, I get that. Number two, when we're multitasking, trying to do too many things at once, we forget to do the important stuff that we're supposed to be doing. And number three, listen now, number three on the list was modern technology. They literally believe that we are so tied to our phones and our screens that it's creating a form of dementia, even in teenagers. Doctors are now, you know, coming up, with, and they have a name for it. I think it's called digital dementia. And it means that you're so tied to the screen or to the phone that you become forgetful about other things in life. Now, all of us have, we do one of those things. All of us, you know, forgotten something in our lives. I remember when I was a kid growing up, We'd be in the car with my dad, and we had this big uh, Ford Esquire station wagon. How many of you remember those things? I mean, it was like a boat. I mean, it was, you know, it was mom, dad, and all five kids, and, and we'd be driving somewhere. And my dad uh, would honk the horn and wave at somebody. And I'd say, well, dad, who was that? He'd go, oh, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was old Nutsy. He would call him old Nutsy. The problem was he did that with everybody. Everybody was old nutsy. So we didn't know anybody in Kokomo that he knew because everybody was old nutsy, you know. And uh, Dad did that the rest of his life, you know. We forget things. If you grew up in my era, the uh, 1970s, 
there were songs, tons of songs, that reminded us to remember certain things. Now, if you were of a certain song genre, music genre, like Paul Anka, how many of you know who Paul Anka is? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well over half, well over half. <laughs> Paul Anka sang a song, The Times of Your Life. And in that song was the phrase, Do you remember the times of your life? And it was repeated several times. Or if you are of another genre, Earth, Wind, and Fire, 1978, they had a song called September. In that song in September, 10 times they say, Do you remember or remember September? Okay, so that generation had a lot of songs about remembering the right things, and oftentimes we struggle with that in our lives. I find it interesting that in the Old Testament, right after God gave the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments, I mean, right after he did that, and they're listed in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, and at the end of the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, Moses says to the nation of Israel, you better be careful to remember what God has commanded. Right after, right after, because Moses knew and God knew that we would not be good at remembering to keep the commands which he gives. And so we pick up that idea and that thought in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter today. If you have your Bibles open there, that's going to be the text we use. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. And the Bible says this. Now these are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess the promised land. Okay? So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping, now listen, 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 by keeping all of his decrees and all of his commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. Now hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There's the verse that most of you will recognize in this text. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down at night, and when you get up in the morning. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large and flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You see, in order for you to move forward in life, you got to remember God. 
In order for you to move forward in life, you have to look back and you have to remember the blessings that God has already placed in your life. That's what Moses was telling Israel, and that's what God's telling us today. That if you want to be able to move forward in life, you've got to remember what God has already done. You've got to remember God, period, and allow him to lead. And so here, in this context, in this passage of Scripture, God says through Moses that he wants us to remember three things. Three things that are vitally important. And here's number one. He says, don't forget to obey God. Don't forget to obey God. Don't forget to, now according to verses 2 and 3, it says, don't forget to obey all of his commands and all of his decrees. Not just the ones you want. Not just the ones that you like. Not just the ones that you think were written for you, and the rest of them are written for that guy over there. It's all of them. All the decrees, all the commands, he wants you to remember to obey all of those things. And secondly, he says, and be careful to remember to do those things. Be careful. Now, when my kids were growing up and still, even when Christine or Stephen would leave the house to go to school or go somewhere or for Stephen to go play football or whatever the case may be, I always say, and I still do today, I say, okay, but be careful. Be careful. What do I mean by that? Same thing God meant in his word. When you see the word be careful, it means pay attention to what's going on around you. Be careful as you're out there. And he said be careful to pay attention to obey the commands of the Lord. Now that's the very first thing he writes in this text. Is to obey God. Remember to do that. Don't Forget to obey God. So why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we obey God? It's simple. I'll give you one word, and it's come to me over a period of years, not just these last couple weeks, over a period of years. The reason we don't obey God is a simple word. It's called compromise. We like to compromise with the world. We like to compromise with the people around us. We like to compromise so we don't look out of place. We like to compromise because, well, you know, that's kind of fun. We like to compromise. And when we compromise, we will go against the teaching of the commands and decrees of the Lord. For example, in the Old Testament, uh, every time uh, the Israelite nation moved, they went into Egypt, they compromised, and, and they began to take on some of the habits of the Egyptians. And then when they moved into Babylonia in captivity, they took on some of the customs of the Babylonians. And they began to compromise their faith with the things of this world. And God says, that's not a good idea. It goes against the teaching of my word. Remember what we just sang? Ancient words that are ever true, changing me and changing you. God's word in your life brings about change. So what do we do today? Well, we compromise. Over the last several years in churches, we've compromised the idea of divorce. 
We, we've softened the edges of divorce. We say, well, you know, it's okay because of this or that, or we give all kinds of rationalization. We lie to ourselves. We lie to God. We say that things aren't right because I married too early. I married the wrong guy. I married the wrong girl. Uh, we're not getting along. I mean, we got a lot of excuses when the Bible says God hates divorce. Now, sometimes it takes place. It shouldn't. Sometimes it takes place and there is forgiveness and grace for that sin. But we're beginning to soften the edges of that all too often in the church and make it acceptable instead of teaching the precepts of God's commands and decrees about divorce. Okay? We do it with abortion. I mean, it's a hot topic today, right? Everybody's hearing about it, you know, and everybody's talking about it, headed into the midterms. And everybody's saying, you know, we shouldn't even have to be talking about it. Because God is sanctity of life, period. It's not about murdering a baby in a mother's womb. That's not a mother's right, according to God. That's called sin. It's murder. And God's very clear about that. And anyone who says that they're a Christian and they're a follower of Jesus Christ and they are compromising that area of abortion in their life, I've got to question where they are in their relationship with God. Because God's book's very clear about that thing. We need to stop compromising the things that God speaks so clearly about. What about our mouth? <laughs> our mouths. Oh boy, our mouths. You know, I hear Christians, adult Christians, say things these days that I would have been slapped for saying in my home. And they think it's okay. Crass words, vulgar words, uh, bathroom humor, uh, things that are not acceptable, things that don't honor God, and we seem to have compromised a place where it just rolls right off the tongue. Let alone the cursing and the vulgarity that comes out. When I was a kid, I had my mouth washed out with soap one time. Literally. Literally. My mom said, here, stick this in your mouth. My dad was on military assignment. I said a word I shouldn't have said. She said, put this in your mouth. Let it sit there for a minute. I'm telling you, zest does not taste good. <laughs> There's nothing zesty about zest in your mouth, okay? I learned my lesson. I didn't say that word again. And we compromise in our lives about these kind of areas. Why? Because we think it's okay. We want to take God's word and water it down and say, well, you know, he understands. It's the year 2022. That doesn't make any difference. God's word is God's word. God is God. He has not changed. But... If we want to obey God and obey his commands and obey his decrees and follow in the ways that he teaches in his word, guess what? There are three blessings that the Bible teaches us in this passage that come to us. We're going to put them on the screen. Here's number one. You will enjoy a long life. How many of you want to enjoy a long life? Okay, only about half. I got a lot of funerals coming up. Yeah. Now, how many of you want to enjoy a long life? Enjoy a long life. Yeah, we all do. We all want to do that. And that's what God's talking about. When you obey His commands and decrees, you don't get into things that will shorten your life. 
Number two, he says this, life will go well for you. Life will go well. It'll be smoother. It'll be positive. It'll be what God wants for your life. And you'll be living within his blessings and and, and your faith will be strong. That's going to happen when you obey his words. And number three, you may increase greatly. Now to the nation of Israel, that meant they were going to grow in number. To you, it does not mean you're going to be rich. It means you're going to grow in your stature and in the strength of your faith, and in the stand that you can take on behalf of God. When you remember to obey God. I've always been taken by the story in Genesis 12 when Abraham had a whole bunch of animals and a whole bunch of land and a whole bunch of tents and a whole bunch of people and he was doing really well and God comes to him in verse 1. He says, Abraham, I want you to pick it all up and go. To a land I will show you. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going to go. I want you to just pick it all up and go. You know what verse 4 says in Genesis 12? Abraham went. He didn't argue with God. He didn't say, God, I've got a lot of stuff here. Give me a couple months. He didn't argue. He didn't barter. He, didn't, he just picked it up and went. Genesis 6, Noah. God comes to Noah and says, this earth is awful. I want you to build a boat. Now you do know, you do know, right? It's never rained on the face of the earth up until this time. And I want you to build a boat. And I want you to build it really, really big. It's going to take you about 100 years, but I want you to build the boat. You know what the response was? Well, God, what if I build a smaller one? No, that wasn't in there. Or God, what, what, if, I, what if I just make it big enough for, you know, me and my wife and, and the kids and, and, you know, no. He didn't barter. He didn't argue. He didn't, you know what it says? He built the boat. You see, when you obey, you're going to get blessed. When you obey God, you're going to receive blessing in your life. This text says, number one, number one, remember to obey God. Number two, it says, don't forget to love God. There's the verse that we always hang on to, right? The one that we saw right there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Yep, that's the one. It's repeated in the New Testament. When Jesus was confronted by the teachers of the law, and they said, give us the greatest commandment. He said, okay, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, by the way, the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. They couldn't argue with him. The greatest commandment. You've heard it before. You've seen it in the New Testament. You're not only seeing it here, you'll see it ten times in the book of Deuteronomy. You'll see it nowhere else in the first five books, but ten times in the book of Deuteronomy. You think God was trying to make a point? I do. That you should love him. And love him how? With everything you've got. You with everything you can muster. With, with every, so completely you should love God that you give him everything you've got. In fact, it comes along with the meaning of this. It means it, it is to uh, take uh, everything you've got. It's your totality of commitment of yourself in the purest 
way to God. That's what it means. The totality of yourself, the commitment of yourself in the purest way to God. That's what it means to love the Lord your God with everything you've got. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, the Apostle John said it this way. Don't turn there. I want you to just listen. Let the Bible speak for itself. 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Now if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Pretty strong word. Comes from God. You can argue with him. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Oh, there's that word. Command. All of them. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, God wants us to love one another completely and wholly and totally because we love him so much that way. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, written a lot of commentaries. Uh, if you ever have a chance to read one of his sermons, really good stuff. He was a famous British preacher. And he, uh, he had five sons, and all five sons went into the ministry. And one day they had a guest in their home, a visitor, and they were in a room talking and visiting and that kind of thing. And the visitor got a little smile on his face and he looked at the five sons and their dad and said, hey, I got a question. Who's the best preacher among you? Trying to stir something up. You know? Without missing a beat, all five sons and Dr. Campbell all said, mother. <laughs> and he pointed at the mom. And then Dr. Campbell said, because it's not her words, it's how she lives. 
She lives her faith. She lives her love for God. She lives it out every single day. Who's the best preacher? His mother. Because she lives it out every single day. Don't forget to love God. Now here's the third one. Here's the third one. Don't forget to remember God. You need to look back and see the blessings you've had in order to move forward and serve Him well. I'll not forget the time in chapel at Ozark Bible College. I was a student. I think I was in my sophomore year. And we were in chapel service. And at the end of the chapel service, instead of dismissing us all, then there were 725 students on campus studying for ministry. Instead, the president of the college and one of our professors walked to the podium and they gave us a challenge. They said, Iowa Christian College called this morning and uh, they're behind on their bill, their electricity bill, and they've tried and tried, but they can't pay it and their lights are going to be shut off at the end of the week if they don't get help. And so we're just laying a challenge in front of all of you to see if you can't help out your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, that appeal is coming to Bible college kids, you know? We, we, we barely had, you know, money in our pockets, let alone anything else. But right away, I realized what was going on. I knew it was important at Iowa Christian College. We were living on a ball trip uh, right after chapel. I had to go get my gear in the dorm and, and get to the vehicles and, and get going. We were playing three games in four days on a road trip. So I prayed really quick. I had $10 to my name. It was in my wallet. And if you understand anything about Bible college, when you go on a ball trip, they give you a per diem amount of money to eat on each day, but it's not a lot. And so you'd like to have a little bit of extra so you could buy a little extra food to eat while you're on the road. And uh, I prayed and God convicted me and I got out my wallet and I took out the $10 bill and as the plate came by, I put it in, I put my wallet in my pocket, I patted it, and we were dismissed, and I walked out, and I felt totally good. Totally good about God's call to do that. I hustled to the dorm, I opened my dorm room door, and, and underneath our door, our dorm mom would slide our mail. I opened the door, and there were two pieces, one from my roommate, I threw it on his bed, and the other one, I recognized the handwriting, it was from my grandmother, Rodkey. And I, and I stood over by my bed where my gear was, ready to go, and I was already packed, and I opened the letter, and as I opened the letter to read it, <clears throat> a check fell out. And I began to read, and it said, Dear Frederick, and I'm not going to tell you the rest, it's personal, okay? <laughs> but at the end of the letter, my grandmother wrote, Your granddad sold some of his hogs this week. We thought you could use some spending money. Love. Granddad and Grandmother Rodkey. The check was for $25. I gave 10. God gave me 25. Now that letter had to have been mailed at least two or three days ahead of time to get there on that day when that challenge would come and for me to give that money in the offering plate and then to find that check. And I ran to the bookstore, I cashed the check, ran to the vehicles and left on a ball trip with $25 in my pocket. 
I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. That God was already providing before I gave. Now here Moses is looking at the nation of Israel. He's saying, hey, can you remember you were in slavery in Egypt and now you're out. You went across the Red Sea on dry land and then God closed it up on the Egyptian army. You went through the desert and and he provided food every single day. Every single day you had something to eat. Even though it was the same thing and you griped and complained about it, you had food in the desert. You had a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God blessed you that way and led you to the promised land. So what Moses is saying is, you've got to look back in order to move forward. You've got to understand that one of the names that Israel used for God was Jehovah Jireh, God, the provider of Israel. And he provides for you today. If you just remember the blessings he's already placed in your life. God's going to do that over and over and over and over again. And if you noticed in the text we read today, he said you're going to move into the promised land and you're going to move into cities that are already built and they're flourishing and you're going to move into houses that already are stocked full of good stuff. You're going to move in and the wells are dug and full of water and the vineyards and the olive groves are planted and they're producing and You didn't do it. God did. You didn't do it. God did. You need to look at your blessings in order to move forward. You need to remember what God has done so that you can move forward and serve Him in life. You remember the chorus we sang around here for a while, quite often. We haven't heard it for a while. It's titled, When I Think About the Lord. You remember those words? When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and he turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. Makes you want to shout, doesn't it? Why? Because you remember God. Because you think about God. You think about what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do. Just think about it. Remember God. If you don't remember anything else from today, if you don't remember anything that I've said today, please remember this. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. Remember that. 
And if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, if you've never put yourself in line in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if your salvation is not intact because you've not done that yet, today is the day. And then every day you can remember what God has done for you. He's given you eternal life. Every day you can start out today by thinking about the Lord. Every day you can start out today by thanking Him for all He's done for you. You say, well, Pastor Fred, come on. I mean, be real. There are tough times in life. I get it. You don't think Israel had it tough? You don't think the disciples had it tough? You don't think Jesus had it tough? But every single one who moved forward, every single one remembered. Remembered God and what he had done. And they moved forward. That's where you need to be today. But you can't do that without Jesus. So if you need to make that decision about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to make that today, then you come while we sing. If you need to come down front and pray and confess that you've not been doing what God wants you to do, that you've compromised with the world and you need prayer, then you come on down and we'll pray with you. If you need to come forward and get on your knees and say, God, I have not been thinking about you. I've been thinking about myself. The steps are open. You can pray. Whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do, just remember God. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. As we sing, won't you come? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. <laughs> Those ancient words are always true. They're always convicting. They're always confrontive. And Father, they always drive us to our knees, especially when we remember what you've done. So God, we're grateful. We're thankful for that. We pray, Lord, you'll remind us of those things in our minds and in our hearts. And I pray, God, that we will turn everything we have over to you and that we'll follow you. We will no longer compromise with the world, that we'll live our lives in the purest way possible to your glory. We pray, God, that today, those who need to make decisions, that they will make them with the help of your Spirit. We pray all this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Why don't you stand with me? And if you have a decision to make today, why don't you come while we sing our decision song?